So welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 248. We're almost there. Two more weeks to go until the big 250. 248 is an AMA this week, a sales AMA. So ask me any question you like, anything you like on selling. Uh, Thank you everyone who is tuning in to listen on the podcast. Thank you also those of you who are watching uh, the replays either on Facebook or Instagram via IGTV, or of course, over on LinkedIn as well. Amazing to be here with you all today. And uh, it's uh, there's uh, plenty of cool questions you've already submitted on this. So thank you very much. A sales AMA means if you have any questions at all on selling, please do jump in the comments and pop them in there. And I will do my best to answer them for you. In addition, if you have, um, if you could tell us if you're watching live, that'll be really cool. So we can see if you're watching live now, put in the comments, hashtag team live or hashtag team replay if you're listening later on. And of course, where you're watching from as well, where whereabouts in the world are you? So thank you very much everyone jumping in on Instagram. We've got uh, Dikaramaranam, uh, Francisco E. Chacon. Uh, we have Bobby Jasmine, uh, Martin Sadinoch, uh, Maxim Brunin, uh, my room made perfect. I need one of those. Uh, Sarah Quotation Five. So many of you jumping in, thank you very much for uh, watching on IG, also on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, we're live as well. So, um, so many cool questions coming in and it's, I know it's deliberately broad, a sales AMA, but it's deliberate so that you can ask literally any question on it. So I'd love to hear from you uh, on that. Um, Let's start with the first question. So sales, and it could be anything about the process of moving towards sales and closing, because I think um, we've come to a world where sales can really include really quality marketing as well. So it's really important to to think about that too, just the process of selling and what it looks like. I'm happy to answer your questions on uh, from the comments today. Uh, Ciao Bello says, my roommate perfect on Instagram. Thank you very much. Uh, awesome to have you in here. So let's go into the first question. Um, we have uh, Rene Michelle through Facebook asked, Richard Moore, this sounds fantastic. My question is related to writing posts, creating slash creating content that converts into sales. Conversion copy is a difficult skill for me. So I, I get many great comments on my post, she says, but they remain as comments nothing further. I respond to them all. I add value with my content, but I'm obviously missing the art of selling. I'd love to master the skills of non-sleazy conversations of conversion or sales to create cracker content that makes me and my offer irresistible. So thank you. Um, Well, if only there was a course, Rene, some kind of, I don't know, conversion course, some kind of LinkedIn client accelerator course. That would be amazing, right? If only someone had thought of that already. So do hit me up. That's literally what I coach. But uh, the key part here is to remember that what you've got first is people taking tiny steps. The re- Let's look at what's actually what is actually happening. The reason why people are bothering to write a comment or to like your post, Rene, is because that is a very simple, frictionless thing to do. It's not difficult 
to like a post. It is low pressure to ask for a comment. So when I do a post, this is the funny thing is like the evidence is right in front of everyone. They don't get people to convert to wanting to jump on a phone call. Um, but they can get people to do a comment. It's like, why are you getting some people to step forward and do that, but no one to step forward to do the bigger thing? It's because it's scaring them off. You've got to do low key, low pressure steps first. So what we're doing is we're starting small by just saying, hey, put in a comment. The next level up for just asking them to put in a comment is to ask them if they want some small, you know, morsel of value from you. So what you can put in your post is a call to action where if they want to step forward and learn a bit more, you can share something with them. You can give them a lead magnet, some kind of downloadable. It's so tremendously powerful because it's the next gentle step up going from zero to let's convert into a client or at least even from zero and content to jumping onto a call with someone is tremendously bigger step. And so you're reliant, if that's your strategy, on having an audience that is completely sold on jumping on a call with you, which is fraught with social anxiety. You may not think it's a big deal, but it really is for people. It's too much of a step up for them. So it's really crucial to remember that you should be doing very small steps in order to take them in that direction. So it's called a funnel for a reason, right? You don't just go from, from nothing to, to a deal. You work your way towards it. My suggestion is you look at the call to action part of the con of the comment, uh, of sorry, of the content. Focus on giving something away. And then of course you've got the context for a follow-up message to say, well, what did you think of the thing I sent you that you asked for? And of course they'll say, oh, it was great. What part was most valuable? Oh, the bit about this thing that you happen to have a service about. And then you can get into conversation. And of course, then the pivot is much more likely to be forthcoming because it's with all of this context of them having stepped forward. That is almost always the part that's missing when people have content that really pops and gets people engaging, but they don't get any conversion. It's the step in between. And usually a, a little lead magnet is a really good way to step forward. You're probably asking for too much or you're not asking at all because that's the other extreme, which is no call to action. And so you presume through telepathy <laughs> that someone's going to watch this content or read this content, write a comment and go, but do you know what? I think I'll get in touch with Renee as well because I've just decided on my own back that that's a good idea to do. People don't think like that. You have to signpost it for them. Otherwise, it's like it's not as obvious for them. So just bear that in mind. That part or that element is crucial. Wonderful question to start us off. My man Nimai is watching on Instagram. Good to see you here. Thank you very much. As well as Epsilon Pi. Uh, hopefully, you're having a great day as well. Let me know if you're watching right now, if you're on IG, LinkedIn, or Facebook, if you're watching um, as part of team lives so put in hashtag team live or hashtag team replay and where where are you watching from uh, nimai let me know if you're back in london i'd be cool to have a coffee in uh, in coming weeks and months with you if you're doing so uh, let's see who's watching over on uh facebook team live from uh canada is deb crow awesome to see you here thank you very much for jumping in i don't know if i'm live on linkedin presumably i am yes it looks like i absolutely am uh, Roger Wilkerson, my man, wow, it's been ages since I heard from you. Since this is Ask Me Anything About Startups, well, it's about sales, but go on. Were you happy that the European Super League <laughs> didn't last 72 hours? Wow, 
that's off piece. But yeah, let's do it. So put in the comments if you have a view on this. Those of you who aren't aware, um, here in Europe, for many, which is you can tell not for me, but for many, football is the be all end all. It's the only thing that matters to people for some reason. And um, in our premiership, which is our, you know, the leading uh, league, and in really the other two, there are plenty of countries worth noting for football. But if you look at the other two main ones, so, you know, Spain and Italy, you've got across those leagues, uh, 12 clubs, I think it was, who um, who were courted by this thing called the European Super League. And, the idea, and there, will, there will be a point related to sales and marketing here. So don't worry, I'm not just talking about football because that's not the this isn't the place for it. But what's interesting is that they were approached by this idea. I think it was actually one of the owners or managers of one of the clubs to create this European Super League. The idea being that it would break away from the existing leagues where, of course, their money gets reinvested into grassroots football and, you know, it's all very wholesome. <laughs> um, to, to create this league where it would be very focused on just the elite club, something of a Champions League, but normal league throughout the season. And of course, it, it came up against huge problems because the fans were like, you know, you're just doing this for greed and, um, you know, you're not you're going to be ditching this whole ecosystem that supports football uh, as a sport for the community and so on. And so what's interesting is that, sure, on the base obvious level, it's a terrible idea because it's it's like an elitist approach to just making more money. There is a small thing I'm thinking, though, looking at it, and this is more a devil's advocate vibe as opposed to my own, um, is that it's interesting that, that everyone swooped in to completely cancel the idea of this being possible and saying we stick with the model we've got and that's the end of it. And there'll be huge punishments uh, and restrictions placed on you. So, for instance, a player of a club that moves to the European Super League would not be able to play for their national team and things like that. Sure. But what's interesting is that by disrupting through something new, um, and a new approach, it, it would have, if it had have gone ahead, it technically may, if you're looking for an upside, <laughs> is the best way to phrase this, Roger, then, then it is creating a compelling case for competition. And what it does is, is something similar in a way, a light parallel to say Uber in London, when we had the taxi cabs, and the taxi cabs going, you can't do this, because we're here and we've been here forever. And because we've been here forever, we should be looked after. You can't have any old person come in just using an app to drive anywhere because they don't know the streets. But arguably, no customer cares if the driver of an Uber knows the streets or not when they use the app to just drive them from A to B anyway. In my limited experience of Uber, for instance, like they just drive me there. It's really not hard. Like. You just look at the app and you drive where it tells you to go. And so it's fascinating that that was so disruptive and there was huge pushback, mostly because the, the lobbyists on the behalf, of, behalf of the taxi drivers are like, this will completely kill our, <laughs> our, our market. But it's disruptive, you see, and arguably a good thing because that creates new views and new, new um, competition. And in my opinion, I think it's quite a good idea to throw something new in, to shake things up. And, and the thing is, if you've got a monopoly, 
which is what what our leagues have because they're the only place that runs runs football if you like and again this is a very very crude statements because i don't really follow it that much then you have got um the risk of complacency roger so with that in mind you need to think about what adding competition looks like still there's a whole litany of reasons why it's probably not a good idea uh, to run it and uh, that will be left so um were you happy that it didn't last 72 hours to be really real i just don't even care <laughs> because i'm just not into football but i think it's probably for the best that it didn't and it's good it shows that the market spoke and so everyone did the u-turn you know what they went we're gonna do this actually best not and they knew where their place was because the the fans can vote with their feet and boycott football clubs and things like that so you know there's there's an interesting display there i suppose lol says uh roger absolutely see it was about sales and marketing i agree i agree i think there's a lot in there about that to be honest uh hey richard moore says dot lung amazing to see you here thank you very much for watching on facebook uh este watching from south africa hashtag team live mindy green awesome to see you thank you very much for tuning in tuning in from virginia who else we got uh as part of team live we have susan uh gygax i hope i said your name right team live uh on linkedin in maryland us awesome to speak to you i see you here as well roger you're watching from thailand and we have uh juana Puerto uh i hope i said your name right uh from albuquerque new mexico and on plenty of other people as well james is watching from melbourne australia superstar thanks for tuning in from uh the other side of the planet so we're doing an ama today on sales any question on sales less european super league but you see how i bent it into a sales or marketing related uh uh, uh, uh question uh, uh roger next question let's go to uh fun underscore underscore way yes came from link from instagram uh can we frame a call how can we frame a call to get a sale at the end a frame best way to to understand the term frame is a perspective so a frame the kind of the analogy if you like is looking through a window frame if i look through a frame i have my perspective on the world a thing an event or an instance and so how can we frame a call to get a sale at the end what we're asking here is how can we set up the perspective of the potential buyer the prospect as they enter the call so that they are conditioned to feel that this is a call designed to end up with a deal as opposed to a nice chat, which then throws them when it's suddenly dawning upon them that actually you're going to try and sell something. So I think it's important to, to suggest that you're going to explore your proposition. Um, but if I think about what I do to frame that this call is about a potential sale, is that I, I, I share that we're going to explore, be exploring my proposition against the need that they currently have. So I never get onto one of the sales calls, fun, underscore, underscore way, um, without pr prior to it um, establishing the sense that there is a need. And it, it's typically in the form of them sharing that there's this struggle, this thing they're up against that they need to fix. And so we've discussed, I've probed somewhat, and then we've decided to pivot into a phone call because they've articulated through me asking certain types of questions that I... I probably, they believe, can help them. So with that in mind, they're, they're going into this call 
with this view that we're going to be speaking because I can help. And then I say, well, you know, we can explore this and see if I can, you know, see where where I, I will be able to be a best fit. So the whole context of the call is to explore working together. What that does is it sets you up to win because then you go through the process, you engage, you relate and you, you engage with this person with it in a way that makes them feel comfortable. Then you get them to explain their situation and, of course, the issues they've got. And then you align that with the solution you have and done in the right way. There's no reason why they wouldn't want to pivot into uh, uh, signing a contract and starting with you um, unless you throw the call under the bus by simply you know, giving them more work to do, sending proposals and and doing lots of extra things that may probably not be necessary in that particular scenario. So that's what I'm doing is I'm the best, best way to put it is I'm 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 sharing that we're going to be exploring what it'd be like to work together against the particular needs they may have already articulated. But I get them to reinforce that first on the call. That's really crucial so that we're in a, you know, in, in so it's front of mind that we're talking about the problems they've got. So that's really crucial. You just there, there needs to be some sense of intention about the phone call. Um, don't try the approach of just manage, just getting on the call to hang out or connect and then spring it on them. I mean, you can, and, and sometimes the conversation just goes that way and it's right to pivot, but in the main, it's not a good idea compared to a much more healthy approach of setting up that this call will be uh, to explore your proposition. That really, that word explore helps you so much rather than say, discuss if you want to work with me or, or look at if you'll be interested. All this stuff suggests that they are going to be backed a bit more into a corner or rather that's the feeling or worry that they may have. So really, really good question. Thank you for that. Um, thank you everyone tuning in right now. Good to see here as well. Uh, Linda Purcell Taylor from Texas. If you're watching right now and you have a question about sales, you can ask me anything. Pop it into the comments. Um, if you want to um, uh, ask any question that you feel, feel might be useful for other people, even if it's not for you, then do ask as well. I'll get I'll get around to you, no problem at all. Uh, in the meantime, I just wanted to shout out um, the amazing call we had last week, the guest sessions interview. I think it was just the uh, the fourth one now. This is the fourth interview we had uh, with Jerry Lee. So ex-Google, now COO of the magical One Salting, who are helping grads get crazy, amazing jobs uh, all over the States. Um, they have grown immensely over the last year. So we had him in to talk about how he's built network through through networking and through his social um, uh, work all organically. This is really exciting. So thank you, Jerry, for jumping in there. If you want to be in the guest sessions uh, to, to watch these uh, interviews that every Thursday, uh, sorry, every second and fourth Thursday of the month from 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and you can watch them exclusively. So they're not anywhere other than the Entrepreneur Business Group on Facebook. So it's on the screen right now if you're on Facebook or LinkedIn. For those of you listening to the podcast or watching on Instagram, you go to facebook.com slash groups slash entrepreneur business group so just simply click on that and it will take you straight through really great group i've run that for six years now and these interviews are fascinating real winners doing amazing stuff and my partner in running this mona is asking some amazing questions of them as well you can tune in and ask whatever you like so entrepreneur business group so if you just search entrepreneur business group you'll also find it and um, hands-on approaches so amy watching from the US has said, by the way, congratulations, 
congratulations on the honor of being a top leader on the LinkedIn watch list. Yes, thank you. Um, it's interesting, this one, because there's lists all the time. The scaled one, S-K-A-L-E-D, of like top 56 um, people in sales and marketing on LinkedIn was really awesome. And it's still promotional. I mean, they've made the list to get it distributed uh, by all us lot who are on it. But, you know, that it's not just a lot of lists are here's a list of my buddies. And so it's just a bunch of people in the network and the person building it. And let, don't get me wrong, it's still very flattering to be uh, considered for these things. But this one was nice because it had, you know, the likes of Sarah Blakely in it or Gary Vaynerchuk and people who are like really globally known. So to be on that as well, I really like it meant a bit more than, again, with all love and respect, those who make a list who's just a bunch of their pals. <laughs> you know, and th th so for instance, there are some lists I'm not on that I don't know would be if I knew the person because it's just their mates, basically. But I don't want to devalue it at all. It was really nice to be recognized. And in fact, that was the second time they recognized me back in 2019 for the same, I believe. Um, and also love that distinction to use explore. Always use that word explore. It's so much better than are you interested in. It's, it's just such a nicer way of uh, articulating it. Um, Amin uh, Hamu from uh, Instagram has also asked a question. How do you approach sales on social media for business to business? Nice and broad. Um, but that's, yeah, it's a really good question. How do you approach sales on business to business, uh, on social media for business to business? You approach it much in the same way as you would make a friend in the offline world. You don't attack a friend. Well, let me let me, let me do it, do that differently. Um, explain it differently. You approach it the way you would ultimately sell a friend in the offline world, and the clue is the fact that they are a friend. You have to. It, this presupposes they're already a friend. So there's a reason I've used this example before. There's a reason why my brother-in-law, who is a locksmith, always gets the gig if I need a, you know, a new key. The reason why isn't necessarily because he's the cheapest, almost reliable, I'm sure he is, um, and uh, or, or the most competent, it's because he's my brother-in-law. So why would I go elsewhere? For instance, one of our bathrooms in this, in the house at the moment needs, has a plumbing issue. I can fix most of them, this one I can't. So who do I reach out to? Do I go online to Google or our friend over the road whose brother is a plumber well, it's him every time. So I was like, Andrew, come on over. So what am I doing there? I'm working on the basis that actually it's not the level of service they provide. Obviously, if he was an idiot or if he was rubbish, I wouldn't use him. But the fact is I'm using these people. They get the gig over and above superior people because they've got the connection first. So if you're going to sell to a friend, you have to be a friend of them first because people buy people they like, not just people buy people, people buy people they like. The product or the service is simply the device. So in this instance, what I want to be doing is, is connecting first, building relationships, having good sense of community. What does that really mean? It just means showing up for people. So show up on their posts, on their comments, send them a message, whatever you would do with people in real life, because that creates a better connection than simply going straight to them to try and sell. Because that's making life, making it all too transactional. Now it can work, but the problem you've got when you approach people directly just to sell outright is if they know anyone else that they like more, they get the gig. 
because it's down to if you like them. It's just so much more. It's the major differentiator. If there's not much in it, or if your product is outrageously superior, well, then fine, they'll probably buy from you. But typically, if there's not enough in it, they will always go for the person they like the best. So what you also need to be doing here, I mean, it is also proving you're the best. And this, and notice how I'm talking about being the best or being as best as much the best you can in your space. It doesn't mean you should get imposter syndrome because you aren't the actual best. It's the best for your level. Maybe I'm an intermediate level coach of something, or maybe I'm an intermediate level freelance, uh, you know, uh, coder or developer. I, I can still be the best in that band, right? And, I, you know, I may not be at this level, but I'm still at this level. That's the main thing. And, and at that level, I want to be the best of my kind of cohort. And how does that look? Well, it's literally down to making sure. So I've got massive allergies because of hay fever. You want to make sure it really looks like you're seen as the best. So make sure people coming you know, to show up for you how by investing in them like you would with friends, but also polishing what you how you present yourself. How do you look? Are you writing as the thought leader if you're doing content? Are you providing high quality content or is it just banging out crap, you know? And so all of this kind of thing does affect you. So perception first, connection next, and then you've earned the right to ask. And that's the very 21st century way through social media to do B2B. Um, the alternative is have people, be, people will be more forthcoming with approaching you if they can't move for social proof. So great testimonials and people constantly talking about you. So it depends where you're at. I mean, if you're just starting out, you need to work hard on your positioning. If you're already there and winning, well then, you know, for instance, if you see on my LinkedIn profile, I've started adding a bunch of um, testimonials because I'm really good at what I do. And so I get people to share that because that's more convincing seeing it from other people as well. So that can all contribute. But step one is just make sure you position yourself well. Step two is focus on that connection because people buy from people they like. So it's a really important start point. Hopefully that helps. Very, very good question. Uh, uh, Amy has asked, I have a question having difficulty with the pitch for donors any tips well what you'll look what most people do when they if they're running a charity which it appears you are if i remember you are people running a charity tend to try and focus on what the charity is trying to do right and the reason why is because that's easy to discuss what the charity does for people now when you discuss what a charity does for people you are in part and some charities go full tilt on this, some do only a little. In part, you're sharing the implication of what happens if this potential person donor doesn't donate. If you look at a lot of the adverts, they're quite extreme for, for charities that maybe help with famine or people in, in very rough war-torn countries. Um, the, the advert focuses on not making you feel bad, but reminding you of what happens if you don't take action. And in turn, it makes you realize what you've got and what these people don't. And that such a small act of giving would help them. But the focus with that is saying, here's what the charity does for these people. Here's what these people are, are, are going to have to endure unless you help them. OK, and here, you know, and that, that's kind of often that's the classic way of doing it. But I'd like to invite you to look beyond that 
and put some more empathy into the person you're reaching out to. Because what they get from the transaction is also important because it's not a selfless act when you donate money to charity. I know because I've ran I ran many, many events, uh, dozens of them uh, over the last few years called Entrepreneur Business Live. We were forcing loads of money into local charities around the world. And the thing that stood out was whenever you donate money to charity, you feel really good. It makes you feel amazing. And even better, which is why I brought the charities to the actual event in them, themselves and made them front and center, is when you share not just the, the feeling that you've donated, but what that outcome of that donation is, that really made you feel really really good. So similar to the approach I've just described, but what's really crucial is thinking like, how how's the potential donor going to feel when they donate? What does it do for them as well? Because yes, we get it. If we help people, that's nice. It's good to give. But how is it going to make us feel like what is the impact we're going to have? A really good example, if you go back to January 24th, 2019, which is the date of the first overseas Entrepreneur Business Live. We were in New York City for that. And I was um, running that and speaking with my friends, uh, Kurt Mercadante and um, Judy Fox. We were sponsored. Oh, sorry. We were, our charity partner, rather, was um, was Pencils of Promise. And I remember um, CJ, who's one of the people working at, at the uh, charity, coming in and saying to everyone, the money raised this evening in this small gathering of people in this business networking event has raised enough for a school in Ghana of 150 children to have fresh water pumped to their school for a year. And so really understanding that we weren't just contributing to a charity that helped children in Ghana, but our little bit actually contributed to this particular thing. That felt amazing. And and by having pictures and that and slides and so on, sure, we were looking at what they were getting out of it, but we also were being shown what we were getting from it as well. We were owning that outcome of, of, uh, of kind of a better life for that set of people. So that's really crucial to think with empathy for the people you're asking to be donors as well. Otherwise, you're like, you need to give the money because they're the ones in need. Sure. But think also, how can you make this person feel great about giving money as well? That really matters rather than. And by the for the record, I totally agree. Those of us so fortunate enough to be able to spend our day, you know, doing stuff like this, we're typically doing very well. And, you know, we need to be donating. It's important to do so. Still make them realize what's in it for them. And that's probably emotional, but that helps. So hope that makes sense. Uh, yes, be specific and show the immediate effect. Quite right. So how they're going to feel really does does uh, make a big difference. Great point. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining in here. Um, uh, Jatinda Pal Singh, watching from Punjab in India. Uh, who else have we got? Lucinda, uh, sorry, Linda Purcell-Taylor. Thank you for sharing relevant advice. No problem. Uh, Annalise Lintic. I think I said your you name know, right. Hi, everyone. It's Annalise from Chicago. Good to see you here. Thank you very much for watching. Um, who else we got? Uh, Wana is asked, uh, is it better to get on a phone call or via DM or email? Depends, doesn't it, for what you're doing. Um, if you're doing a high ticket selling, 
it's always best to try and be as close to human to human as possible because people by people and it con it matters more and more and more the bigger the sale so the bigger the amount of money being spent the more of the investment emotionally that buyer is focused in uh, on, on this transaction the more how will you get on and therefore how much they trust you is going to really matter so make sure you're being you know relating to them make sure you're showing empathy and so on so that you position yourself as someone who they can be familiar with and, and, and uh, trust it's, it's ideally you if i had the choice in say uh, i don't know a transaction of a few thousand dollars it's always a zoom call if I can't meet in person, because I can just see that person, they can see me. So many nuances in communication pass between us, not just verbal. And um, that beats every time DMs and emails without question. Plus, it's more immediate. So selling on a phone call means you can deal with the situation there. Questions, objections, things they have a problem with, but aren't articulating. You can see and feel. If someone's hesitant, less so via email, but on a Zoom call, you can see it. You, you're like, I, I feel like I lost you there. So you can, you can, you know, you can identify, you can, you can feel if there's a problem. So as much as possible, the best is person to person in real life. Next from that is Zoom call. Next from that is phone call, all the way down to text only. So DMs can work. Absolutely, selling on the DMs is very possible. It's harder because you haven't got the the person there as much voice memos can work really well then as a result so it's a really good question to somebody to think about uh, along those lines um just want to do a shout out if you're watching right now if you ever record any video so let us know in the comments you ever record any video if you have a podcast or are planning to or if you want to stream live anywhere then it makes sense to use restream we'll be doing some videos on this soon i'm going to be doing a, a chat with uh, the guys at Restream themselves are going to be doing an AMA uh, really soon. It'll be quite exciting to do. But if you want to have um, access to all of that kind of th those those functions, then you can go to restream.io slash join slash Richard Moore. And what happens is you get your account, but you also get $10 free credit. I mean, it's just I've used other other uh, streaming platforms and without question, Restream is the most stable, it's the most easy to access, and the team can use it for downloading video for my micro content and for downloading audio for the podcast. So life's very simple as a result. So if you're listening to the podcast, which is the recording of this now, uh, presumably later in this week, then that came from the recording being downloaded via Restream. So, you know, it's so simple and um I, I urge you to try if you're gonna if you're gonna be using any of these formats at all. So restream.io slash join slash Richard Moore. And on me you get $10 credit as well. So hopefully that helps you all. Let's do one more question, a mustache soon. So last question is Daniel Nunez. How do you qualify your sorry, how do you quantify your expertise on your profile? And in, in brackets he's written landing page. I like that because my landing page these days is much more my profile on LinkedIn than it is my website. Um, uh, so, so it's important to, to, to kind of think about this from that perspective. How important is or how do you quantify your expertise on your profile? Well, I think you should start first and foremost with an empathy for what your 
potential buyer or your prospect needs from you. So what they need you to be as well as well as what they need from you. So what that looks like is explaining what you've done in the past, but also ex- showing them the kind of person you are to work with and what it looks like. So you need to be nice and transparent, trying to use too much fluff. And you can quantify your expertise by simply saying, I've got, you know, put numbers and facts in. So, you know, I've worked for this many years in this space with these types of businesses. So show the spread. So mine, I say, you know, from nine figures all the way down to solopreneurs, if you like, and, and or you can say how many years you've operated in a particular space. Just that's a nice, simple way of doing it. Do you have to? No, but there's a saying in sales, which is specific sell. The reason why is because is because specifics feel real. So when you talk broadly about how you help in the kind of a soft way, it's harder to believe than when you give stats and figures and so on, which is like why if you look at my experience or anyone's experience on a LinkedIn profile, like the years they worked at a particular company, well, then you kind of believe it because why would it be a lie? And, it, and it's you, you believe that they worked at those dates in those places at that role because it's all kind of clear. Where if you, if you said I had a number of management roles across a number of years in a number of industri- in, uh, industries, it doesn't feel as as kind of uh, nailed down and, and reinforced as if you give the particulars. So specific sell, that's what really helps here, Daniel. The question often, though, is what do I do if I don't have that kind of thing, if I'm lacking experience and expertise? I I just like I I don't see a problem in approaching people to do some gigs for free. I don't see a problem with it. There's so much of a feeling of nobility uh, from people in not doing uh, not doing work for free at the start because they're worth it, you know, unless you get paid more. But yeah, but like if no one's looking at you and you haven't got experience, you kind of need to put out a bit. So I think it's important to think about that. That's more the advice I give to say grads, like use the time you have to go get some experience because it sure if you can get paid brilliant, but if not still think like, is it, is it worth it? Because probably it is if you, if you, even if you don't get paid much to work with against a particular brand or mentor or be sh- or shadow someone at a great business or something like that, that can really go a long way. But you, you, you got to think to yourself, like I say, uh, Daniel, you need to think, am I being, am I, have I got empathy here for what that person needs me to be as well as, as what they need me to have done? So I need to make sure I'm articulating or sharing or giving the vibe of the kind of person I am as well. Really good question there. Thank you so much for asking that one. And thanks, everyone, for joining in. Uh, really appreciate you watching today. I have to dash. I have an appointment in about three minutes. So I'm going to go. But have a wonderful week ahead. See you all soon on Instagram. Thanks for watching. And thanks also for watching LinkedIn and Facebook. Very much appreciate it.